everybody doing today? You ought to be doing good because we had power on. We didn't have power on until 8.45 this morning. We called an audible. We did it old style over there. No PowerPoint. Just singing songs we knew. And, and it was great. But I'm, I'm thankful to have PowerPoint with you guys this morning. Before I get started, I don't want to forget this, this uh, really the series we've been doing called Rekindled at Home. The, wrapping it up today, but we wanted to let you guys know that the Home Point team is going to be sending you a survey this afternoon, probably this afternoon, via email. And so make sure you, you check your junk folder and everything, but it's just going to take less than five minutes. But they want to hear from you guys, you know, making sure we're giving relevant topics, relevant resources, and, he, and hear your feedback. So please take the time to do that uh, this afternoon. So you will be getting that. Then also in the back, uh, by the Home Point Center, we have a table with packets that are really good stuff for you to take home that will bless your marriages and then also bless your families. So... Greg Sarasoff, we had a parent dedication, and then um, Josh Bundy spoke on uh, exposing unmet expectations, because you carry expectations with you in every relationship. You guys carried expectations in here this morning, whether you realize it or not. So in all of our relationships, we're carrying around expectations, and some are good, some aren't so good. I'm doing some premarital counseling with a couple couples right now. One of the biggest things you go from premarital counseling is going through all the possible expectations you can imagine that are coming up, so you can see what you agree on and see what you need to work through. But then also, my brother-in-law spoke last Sunday. We were away at Christ Teens, uh, I mean the teenagers. I don't know if you guys knew that, but Nick Fouts who spoke this past week. That's Marcy's older brother. And Nick, probably besides my dad, is about the nicest guy I've ever met in my life. If you've been around Nick, you've gone on one of their retreat seminars, you know what he's like. But my first impression of Nick Fouts was my very first baseball practice at Harding University. I'm a freshman. Nick's a junior. Nick was a really good pitcher. He was our best pitcher on the baseball team. He'd also been playing a couple years of football as quarterback. Nick's this big, tall, athletic guy who'd so been working out. And they decided we need to see what we got with these freshmen. We're going to face some live pitching. So Nick is on the mound, and he's got that serious locked-in look that a pitcher has. And then he has a cut-off shirt, and Nick is really cut, bulging with muscles, six foot three. My first impression was Nick is I was intimidated. And I'm sure I hit a line drive up the middle. But, but Nick did a really... <laughs> Nick did a really good job talking about how, you know, the hard conversations that you have to have in a relationship and whether we operate out of fear or out of love, how we react from a place of fear or love and just having an awareness of that. And I enjoyed uh, watching him on, on Facebook Live on Monday doing that. Well, this morning, let me try this out. We got a fancy new clicker here. Let me see if I do it right. Um, let me try this one. Again, technology loves me. I hit next, right? And I'm assuming this is on. Let me try something else. Let me try something else. All right. I'll just, I'll, I'll act like I'm clicking it. And then you guys know when to do it. All right. That's how that'll work. Oh, I love it. Okay. Jehovah Sneaky's laughing at me. All right. Okay, so today um, I want us to look at this little paragraph because I think this is really important right here. Um, as we as a church, this is what we want to be a part of helping us in marriages where we're not just surviving, which happens sometimes, but we're thriving. So look at this with me. We are not simply trying to create a culture of grin and bear at marriages because we don't believe in divorce, 
but rather we want to create a culture of God-honoring marriages that are happy and thriving and that actually picture an embodiment of the gospel. And again, we all know that marriage is challenging. If you're going to have a really good marriage, it's going to take a lot of work. And it's not easy. And we go through highs and lows of marriages. Some of you are here this morning, you're, you're in survival mode. And some of you, you're kind of at a place of thriving. Some of you are just in mediocreville and enjoying the ride and don't mind if it goes either way. But wherever you are this morning, what we desire is for us to be in a place of thriving. Because Jesus, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life to the full. And as you see, you know, the, the marital relationship is really a picture of Jesus and his bride, the church. And so the lesson this morning is titled, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing but love in my marriage. How about you? But I'm not bound by ball and chain. Okay. All right, here we go. Love don't feel like a ball and chain to me. Okay, so I'm just going to go by notes like I did the first service, and if we get it figured out, it's all good. Okay, the lesson for this morning is called Fanning the Flame. Okay, Fanning the Flame. Letting the Spirit breathe into your marriage. Okay, now um, this is an important concept, and don't worry, I'm not going to talk like it's 105.9, easy listening as we fan the flame, but I do want you to think about this. You got you to gotta keep some sparks going in the marriage, you know what I'm saying? And you got to continue to pursue each other as you pursue God, but fanning the flame, letting the Spirit breathe into your marriage is kind of an important concept. The first thing that came to my mind when I was doing this sermon was this, this picture, go ahead to the next slide, please. Is it working? Okay. Is my sister gave us this gift as a family years ago, and you see it says committed. You know, every marriage has those times where it's just challenging. And she wanted to give us a reminder. She gave this gift to me, my brother, my parents. And this is sitting on the dresser in our bedroom as a visual reminder that in this marriage, we are committed. Now, to the, to the right of that committed sign is... Can we go to the next slide, please? I really... If we get through these... Yeah. See, my parents are here. If you look up there, I don't know how big that is, but that's my parents on the right side. I mean, my dad looks like a little schoolboy. He's so excited. And my parents are actually here this morning, along with my 94-year-old grandma who drove here from Springfield. And so, and then Marcy's parents right there, and that's a visual of two couples who are committed. My parents are working on 54 years, something like that, of marriage, and Marcy's parents are hovering around 50, I'm sure. And so, and I had a great-grandparents who are married 70-something years, and it's a picture of committed. It doesn't mean it's perfect, but it's a picture. Now, the next, the next slide will show a picture Oh, look at those young bucks. Woo! I didn't tell Marcia I was going to show this picture, but we're committed. Um, and so, but look, look at this picture. And we got the pictures taken before the wedding ceremony. And when I look at this, I was laughing. Look at the smile on her face. She's still a beautiful lady. And she's got that smile. She's probably thinking about everything that's coming next logistically. She's a real organized, efficient type person. She didn't have a huge budget. She made a beautiful wedding out of it. They're at downtown Church of Christ. And so she's thinking about all that. Look at Todd. I have to admit, I was thinking, I'm ready for the honeymoon is what I was thinking about. <laughs> the difference between men and women. 
okay? And I'm sure most of you men out here are much more mature than that, and you weren't just going ahead to the honeymoon. But when you think about fanning the flame, letting the Spirit breathe life into your marriage, the first verses I really felt like God was taking me to was Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. And I'm going to read these verses to you. I'm going to hone in on two verses, okay? Don't worry. We're not going to have a theological seminar on submission, okay? It starts off with verse 21, and I want you to look at this with me. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church, and he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. So stay with me. Verses 31 through 33 here. It'll come up here. All right. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in the one. This is a great mystery. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So, and if you're following along in your bulletin, it's first fill in the blank. So, again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife, the wife must respect her husband. Very interesting. Paul is obviously inspired by God, but that last verse, verse 33, I think is really interesting. There's the basic understanding that men and women need to have of each other. And I'm not just trying to do a broad stroke that's for everybody, but generally speaking, I want you to think about this. Look at the next slide with me. It says this. Not yet. I don't. <laughs> Heaven's not my goal. It's my destiny. My goal is release heaven on earth. All right, here we go. Women tend to relate to others on the emotional level of love. Am I right? I mean, who said it? Whitney, I get so emotional, baby. Every time I think of you, it's shocking what love can do. Okay. Not all women, I'm not saying you're an emotional basket case. It's not what we're saying right here. It's not what Paul's saying. But there's an emotional level of love. Men tend to relate to others more on the level of mutual respect. Let me read something to you that I found very interesting. Men don't have to like their associates in the business world to get along with them. If mutual respect is present, men can tolerate big differences. In general, women are not that way. In general, they are more concerned with having a good relationship with others than men are. Not that men don't care about relationships, okay? Because of this, if not warned, men will give women what they themselves naturally crave, which is respect, while women will give men what they naturally crave, which is love. And in doing this, the basic need can be lacking. And so think about this, right? You know, how, how does your wife want to be loved? Well, simplistically speaking, well, the way she shows love to you. And it's easy to miss that. And so in general, if men, you know, like, let me give you a scenario. Hypothetically speaking, I might have hypothetically asked somebody who works for Walmart if this was true, what I'm about to tell you. Hypothetically. So, let's say you're a Walmart buyer. Okay? 
In that relationship as a Walmart buyer, with a supplier, you have all the leverage, right? Not that I've done it. I'm just assuming here. You have leverage. So when it comes to respect, you get a lot of respect. In fact, you probably get some ingratiation. Hopefully mutual respect is going on there. But the supplier has to convince you for his product to be on your shelves. And so all day long, when you're in that power position, that position of leverage, where you're getting all the respect of the world, and you may have a great wife who's either been working or staying home, when you come home, she doesn't always think you're the best thing since sliced bread. She doesn't have to ingratiate to you all the time. I'm not saying she's not a sweet, lovely woman, but it's different. She may even have some chores, some things, some honey-do lists where you need to get done, and all of a sudden, your world is like, whoa, where I'm used to being the guy and all this power, and you're looking for some respect. Well, hey, this is relationship. you got to find out what her needs, right? Remember Willard Harley Jr. wrote that book, His Needs, Her Needs? Anybody ever read that book? You ever been through the class? Mars and I went through the class. Her needs, some of the top five needs out of all the studies are, are conversation, affection, honesty, and openness. And guys, it's okay if you're a little bit more like a lady in that way, okay? And then men, that one need that I won't say out loud because there's kids in here, but you know what I'm talking about. And then admiration, you know, recreational companionship and how things are flowing on in the home and all these kind of things. We have these different needs, a basic understanding. We just need to have an awareness of in relationship. And you have to be willing to go there. And hypothetically, talking to the Walmart buyer, they may have to make a mind shift on their way home and kind of decompress and then be the husband relationally that their wife needs them to be. So, backing up to Ephesians 5.25, the verse that I love, I think it's huge, I think it's awesome, I think it's wonderful. If you go to the next slide, please. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church, Ephesians 5.25. But it's also a verse that could almost haunt you as a man, okay? Because, I mean, I'm supposed to love Marcy just like Jesus loves me. Some days I'm flowing in that, and man, I'm doing a good job. Other days, not so much. So this verse, it's a challenge. you got to watch it that it, there isn't condemnation and guilt and shame attached with it. Darren read it this morning from Romans 8, when there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. And the enemy wants us to feel like, you know, we're not good enough. We don't measure up as men. We can't do this. And it's really the battlefield of the mind. But I want you to think about this with me, kind of this idea of, well, how did Jesus Christ love us? How did Jesus love us? The first thing is this. Look at the verse up that comes up on the screen, this next slide. It says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So think about what kind of love this is. This is a big love. This is a huge love. This is unconditional love. And men should love their wives independently of whether they deserve it or not, or whether I think she deserves it or not. Because let's be real. I mean, there, there's the world way of doing things. I'll scratch, you know, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. But it easily falls into, quote, Christian marriages. To where as long as you're meeting my needs, baby, I'll meet yours. And it's not, it's not always going to happen. And, and we can really get into this 50-50 marriage when Jesus Christ, his love, it was 100% full-on love where he wasn't expecting anything in return. And what I'm talking about is not easy. And those of you who've been married for a while, you know this. There are some days it's challenging to love unconditionally where there really aren't strings attached. Where I'll, I'll love you as long as you love me back. Because in every marriage, there's going to be times where I need to love my wife unconditionally, not expect anything in return. 
And, of course, God knows in our marriage, it's mostly Marcy who has to love me unconditionally more often than not. But you, it's got to be independent of whether we think they deserve it or not. That's the Jesus kind of love that, that we're trying to grow in. Number two, um, how does Jesus love us? Hey, we had a power outage this morning. It has nothing to do with the person doing PowerPoint, okay? Yeah, it'd be doing the same thing if I was back there. It's kind of funny, though. Um, sign me up. All right. Jesus took our sin and bore our punishment. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. By his wounds, we are healed. Kind of a famous verse. And if you don't know, that's really cool to look up Isaiah 53. Read about it. Hundreds of years before Jesus came to this earth, Isaiah is prophesying about what Jesus is going to do. Men should protect their wives by sharing their burdens. Now, we know the Bible says ultimately we're to cast our burdens to Jesus Christ. I get that. But in relationship, in this marital relationship, we have to be invested enough in our spouse men to where we know what's going on in their lives. Because let's be real, some days you come home, you just want to disengage. You want to check out. Oh, you, you really want to talk about love and, and feelings and hurt and pain and not watch Netflix? You, you know, oh, there's a big game on tonight. Can we talk about it later? Yeah, um, doesn't work so well. But you've got to be in the kind of relationship to where you're actually carrying each other's burdens. You know what's going on because you're in this together. And so I think that's one of those interesting points. There's so many things you could say about how does Jesus love us, but this is one that can be easily missed, even in that whole love respect thing with men and women. So men, you've got to really take the time to get to know what's going on in your wife's heart and, and listen and not always try and be the problem solver. Just hear what's going on. Carry the burdens with her. Number three, Hebrews 13.5 says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, Ironically, right after it's talking about keeping the marriage bed pure, women need to know, men, that you are committed to, their, to your wife till death to his part. Now, I realize there are situations that come up in marriage where divorce really is kind of the, the only option. And that's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about if there's any way you can work the marriage out, you can only control you at the end of the day, right? You can't control what your spouse does. You can influence and be an example, all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, I can only control me. So men, on your end of the bargain, you're committed until death do us part. It's a beautiful thing to think about Father God, to think about our Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. He's never going to be a deadbeat dad. And some people grew up with a deadbeat dad. And some people grew up with men who left their responsibility and left their family. And they were not committed until death do us part. But Jesus is committed. And so this covenant of marriage that we're in between man and a woman, there's a beautiful covenant that you're in as a new creation in Christ. And he will never break his end of the covenant. He will always keep his promises. And we as men need to be committed until death do us part. Those are some of the pictures of loving each other as Jesus Christ love the church. Now stay with me. It's kind of warm and cozy in here, so don't get sleepy. And the lights are down a little bit low. I didn't tell them to because we're talking about fanning the flame to get the mood. But are you guys awake? You with me? All right, here we go. <laughs> the next point, the next slide is this. Our marriages are supposed to be a living parable of Jesus and his bride, the church. 
I want you to think about that. We read that earlier uh, in Ephesians, talks about being an illustration. So I'm supposed to be living out with my wife kind of a parable, a picture of Jesus and his bride, the church. And again, I say, let's ask the question, what kind of parable are you living out for others around you to see? Is it a good picture? Is it a good illustration of Jesus and his bride, the church? That's not to grab some guilt, shame, and condemnation. It's just to open up our eyes to the opportunity of what is possible. Wherever you are in your marriage, again, remember, the Holy Spirit will convict you. The Holy Spirit will not leave you in a place of condemnation. That's the enemy. So it's good to be convicted, but it's good to dream and think and have hope for the future of where my marriage can go, wherever it is today, and where you get to go together on that adventure with your spouse. But the reality is marriage is challenging. It's hard. Okay? Anything worthwhile relationally, it's going to be challenging and hard. I went back to when, before I was going to get married to Marcy, I remember this trip I took with my brother-in-law. His name's Mark Metter. He married my sister. They're about eight years older than me. And one of his good buddies named Chris, they were taking me out. We went to Frozen D's. Anybody familiar with that in Cersei? Yeah. They're really known for their customer service. No. They're really known for their ice cream. All right? So they really get ice cream. We're, we're driving back, and they're talking to me about expectations, trying to help me out to make sure I don't have unrealistic, unrealistic expectations. They're not dogging their wives. They're not dishonoring their wives. But they're just saying, hey, you may even have some times where you guys get into arguments. You may even have some times where you need to take a break from each other. Well, at the time, I was like, what? I couldn't imagine getting in an argument with Marcy because we didn't argue. I mean, we still don't. Every once in a while, we might have some intense fellowship, but um, <laughs> usually brought on by me. But, but, but at the time, I'm thinking, I can't ever imagine not wanting to be around Marcy. You know, I was just so tunnel love. Just all I saw was the good, you know, just, and it's funny. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you, you, you may even, you may even want to break from each other. And, and I couldn't imagine it. But the reality is when you do get married, there's times when, hey, what? Hey, you know what? Sometimes Marcy and I annoy each other. Okay? But most of the time we like each other. So we love each other all the time. But if you, if you like each other most of the time, that's a win. Because sometimes you're going to annoy each other. That's just the reality. I don't want to break anybody's you know, vision of how perfect our marriage is. And can you imagine Marcy getting annoyed with me? It's, it's shocking what love can do. Um, but it happens. And, but here's what I wanted to say that, to make the transition. This part of, of talking to you guys is this. We all need some hope. We all need some reminding. We all need some renewing of the truth of what is possible in our marital relationship with each other. And I think sometimes we forget this. If you go to the next slide. I'm going to be a good boy and not say anything on that. All right. The glory of the new covenant. We're going to start in verse 8. Look at verse 8 with me. Shouldn't we expect, speaking of expectations, this is the glory of the new covenant, which you are in if you've been baptized into Christ. Okay? Look at this. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? 
we keep going. Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We're not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil, and I think revelation means remove the veil. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil. And they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is a spirit, and whenever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is a spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Okay, when I read this, I get a little bit excited because I want you to think about this. We are in a new covenant where the gift of the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Are you united with the Lord and one in spirit with him? Are you a branch to the vine? Are you? Are you a new creation in Christ? Well, and, and when I sing that song, no offense to that song, In Need of Grace, I, I like it in some ways, but I think what we're in need of is more revelation of what we already have. And so when you think about the Holy Spirit, the glory of the new covenant, what we already have in Christ, my position in Christ, I'm not lacking anything. This is a far greater covenant with better promises. And so the reason I say that is there's hope because guess what? When we let the Spirit transform us, what's going to happen? We're going to be changed more and more into the glorious image of Jesus. And so the possibilities of your marriage, what's holding it back? We each in this marriage have a responsibility to individually read the word, get deeper revelation of what we have, and that's going to translate into our marriage. So I wanted us to think about that. I think sometimes we're kind of doing this mixed drink of the old and new covenant. We're in the new covenant. And this is really good news. That what we have in Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Spirit, I have Jesus in me. So what am I really lacking? I'm just getting deeper revelation of what I already have, who I already am, how he already looks at me. And it's not a poverty spirit. You're not lacking. And so I, I think that's important when it comes to marriage. So here's the last question that we're going to go through a couple things here is, how can we let the Spirit breathe new life into our marriages? Oh, we have to burn any IOUs. Anybody holding anything? Over, you don't have to raise your hand. Anybody holding anything over your spouse right now? You know, Elsa was such a prophet. You got to let it go. You got to burn any IOUs. I'm telling you, isn't it easy to hold a grudge, to hold things over people from the past? Am I right? Now, do I see it sometimes in youth ministry with young guys and girls? Sure. But maybe more, never mind. So grudges, we can learn from a young age to hold them over people. And in marriage, you have to go through the process of forgiveness. I doubt anybody goes unscathed in a marriage where you don't have to be forgiven for something. But you've got to burn any IOUs. This is an unconditional love. Not always easy, but we've got to. Number two, how can we let the Spirit breathe life into our marriage? Is we have to become prayer warriors instead of taking matters into our own hands. Because sometimes we, we really like control. We can unintentionally create an Ishmael. And so I want you to think about this. We have to become 
prayer warriors. Okay? I'm a guy I love to encourage and exhort, but that's my sons. I can challenge you too. But here's what I want to say to you men. Maybe some of you men are like, you know what? I don't really pray, and I feel awkward praying. Okay. I paid a lot of money to get get a, a graduate degree in marriage and family therapy and learned about all these theories. So guess what I need to tell you? You know what? You just got to get over it. You just got to get over it. And you've got to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. You've got to start praying because we as men and women in our marriages, we've got to be praying for each other and praying for our children or praying for your grandchildren, praying for your future spouse, praying for that ex-wife or husband that broke your heart. We've got to pray. We've got to be prayer warriors. This is where the warrior spirit has got to rise up. We can make excuses all day as men, but you've got to step up and you've got to pray. You've got to go for it. And don't give excuses. The enemy loves that. And so maybe you're like, yeah, okay, I'll get better at praying for myself, but praying with my wife, ooh, praying with my wife, that's really uncomfortable and awkward. Again, get over it. You've got to start somewhere. Do you hear me on that? Just like... Well, I'm not comfortable talking to my wife about feelings. Well, somebody's going to talk to her about it. And great if it's another girlfriend, but it could be another guy. So you've got to take those steps. Get out of your comfort zone. Talk to them. Pray with them. Can I make a confession? This past week, you know, I kind of knew the flow of, of, of this. And I don't know if it was Monday night, Tuesday night, whatever. But something happened where Todd got his feelings hurt. And Marcy probably didn't even know what she did. And she didn't really do anything. It was an immature moment. I'm 44, but I still have those moments. So guess what I'm going to do as a mature minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In a split second, I have to make a decision. And what I think I'm going to do is just turn over to the side, you know. I'm going to give her my cold shoulder. Yeah, that works well. Um, <laughs> but by the morning, I'll probably be good to go. I can't just stay mad that long. I just That's the way I am. But in that split second, I thought about this point about becoming prayer warriors. you got to be prayer warriors. And God just like whoosh, slapped me in the face. And, and, I, and I, hey, Marcy, you want to pray together? And of course she says yes. So we pray together. By the end of praying, I'm praying for us, praying for our kids. Guess what? I'm not feeling sorry for myself anymore, which it was a spirit of stupid that came on me in the first place. And I shouldn't have been. But... I don't feel sorry for myself anymore. When you pray with your wife, when you pray with your spouse, it's kind of hard to stay mad at each other. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) You got to step up. Okay, so the sermon kept me accountable, and I'm just going to admit that. But I want to challenge all of us. Pray specifically, not just for your marriage, but this church and all our marriages. Think about the enemy just comes in to seek, kill, steal, and destroy marriages and unity. And in just our world and all the manifestations. But in Christ, it's possible for your marriage not just to make it, but to thrive. But it takes a lot of intentionality. Men, don't be afraid to pray for and with, with your spouse. Okay, I'll go quickly through the next two. Well, kind of. We need to know who we are in Jesus Christ. We've got to know that. We've got to know what we have in this new covenant. The deeper the revelation goes of who we are as new creation of Christ, while renewing our minds of his good news, the Bible, the word, the living bread, thoughts of anger, depression, jealousy, and fear will become irrational. Now hear me. I realize sometimes you've got to have some medication sometimes when it comes to depression, different things like that. And in science and in the medical field, and God can make a really good marriage. And I'm not talking about those moments. I'm talking about things where you can get mildly depressed pretty easy because it's such, the mind is such a battlefield. 
in this Philippians 4, 4 through 8 mentality of what are we thinking about? What are we rehearsing in our minds? What am I focusing on? Because what I focus on is what I will see. I used an example recently, a while back, we're thinking about going from a minivan, don't judge me, to a Kia Sorento to see if we could fit our kids in it. Never looked at a Kia Sorento before. We go drive one so we can pack in there, all of our boys, and as I think about whether we're going to do this or not, guess what started appearing magically on the highway and on the byways and everywhere? Kia Sorrentos. Where have they been all these years? And all of a sudden they appear. But that's what I was focused on. Focus is seen. What do we focus on in, in our spouses? What do we look for? And I'm telling you, I think the deeper revelation we get as we renew our minds of the good news, as we're transformed into the image of Christ more and more, I think the less and less we struggle with unhealthy feelings of anger, depression, jealousy, all those kind of things. It's not a formula, and I'm not saying there's a certain time period, but I do think that is what is possible through our relationship with Jesus Christ and the glory of the new covenant. Now, two, I spent all that money to learn how to be a marriage counselor. You actually learn a lot about yourself and do all this kind of stuff. Paid on it for 12 years. Thank you, Harding. Um, and so here's what I got to give you. Number four, stop being selfish. Stop it. <laughs> Anybody seen that Bob Newhart video when he's counseling the people? He just says that over and over and over. But there comes a time in marriage when somebody's just being selfish. You know, here's you, here's the world, you know? And it's all about you, baby. And you want what you want. You know, and, and, and it's easy, even in a good Christian marriage, to get selfish. I just get selfish sometimes. And unfortunately, I've realized I'm a little more selfish than my spouse. And so when I got married, I thought it was pretty good. I was like, ooh, I got some work to do. I thought I was doing pretty good. We got kids. Ooh, it's not all about me anymore. I got work to do. And I'm constantly, you know, I think becoming more and more like God wants me to be. But I want to encourage and challenge you. I lo again, I love to exhort and encourage. But at some point, this will come in counseling at different times. You've got to look the lady or the guy square in the face and say, you're, you're just really selfish. That's what's going on here. And until you stop being selfish, you're never going to get to where you guys want to go. So it's up to you. What do you want to do? There comes a time you have to say that to people. And we... As his sons and his daughters, sometimes we just need to have a self-awareness and stop being selfish, which goes back to the point of how we're going to love our spouses like Christ of the church. Well, we've got to love unconditionally. And I realize it's not always easy. That's a process. And I want to tell you men, we want to cultivate a place here where we as men encourage each other on that line to help do that. We want to create a culture of honor when it comes to when we're talking about our wives. I was doing a little men's Bible study Thursday morning. Um, at the great McDonald's and um, they actually have pretty good coffee in my opinion coffee snobs don't want to hear it so we're drinking coffee having some good oatmeal talking about God talking about Philippians 2 and our wives and just talked about that culture of honor when we talk about our wives together as men even if we're in a really tough place in our marriage let's make sure we honor our wives and what we say and so we've got to do that we've got to love unconditionally and we've got to carry each other's burdens You've got to carry your wife's burdens. If you won't listen and talk to her, somebody will. And we have to stay committed. We have to be committed. <laughs> and I love that visual that we have um, in our bedroom. And, you know, life is not always going to be perfect, but I do know divorce is not an option. 
when it becomes an option too easy in marriages now, and in this where we live, even in Northwest Arkansas, divorce rate's pretty high, and some of you, that's, that was the only option you had. But I want to encourage us this morning, how can we fan the flame, let the spirit breathe into our marriages? It starts with you. Ultimately, you can only control you. You're in union with your spouse, just like you're in union with Jesus Christ. But what can you do? What can you do to take your marriage to the next level? And remember, you don't have to do it by yourself. You actually have a helper, a comforter, a Holy Spirit who will help you do it. Because you can't do it completely on your own. And the good news is you've already got it. And we as men, let's help each other. Women usually are already doing a better job of that. But let's find ways where we can encourage each other, come alongside each other, and be the dads, be the husbands, be the grandparents God has called us to be. We love you guys here at Benville Church of Christ. We're not a perfect ministerial staff and leadership, but we really do desire marriages that thrive if all possible through the power of Christ. But I realize some of you in survival mode. And so remember we have, I want to say right, three rivers counseling. Did I say that right? Four, four, quattro, four rivers counseling um, available. If you guys need to talk, I'll be somebody who'd be available and others. But again, if you need some encouragement, if you need some help, go seek it. Go for marriage that thrives, that doesn't just survive. Maybe you need Christ in your life for the first time in the sense of you want to take Jesus Christ on in baptism. And you want to become a new creation in Christ and completely engage in this new covenant that Jesus has ushered in through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Well, we're going to give you an opportunity to come and do that. Or maybe you just need prayers. And maybe you need prayers over your marriages. We're going to have some shepherds stationed in the back or in the front. You guys going to be in the back or the front? The back? Where? Yeah, the back. If you need prayer, again, the prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. Go get it. But please come while we stand and while we sing.